This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> and welcome to Half Measures Podcast. This is episode 144, and joining me here in the knockout stages of the World Cup is my strike partner, Dan Morning King. Dan, quarterfinals, here we come. Am I right? You're right, Paul. Like, is Brazil still in the game? Like, I've got no idea what's going on. Oh, are they still in the game? They look great. They're definitely still in the game. England is still in the game. All I know is the like the controversial things like has England like changed their logo back to like the Crusaders logo from like back in the day people are like like it seems like there's a chaos going on over there you can't buy beer still like there's I don't know I I saw a picture of somebody who was injured on the field and then someone came to like look at them and then like slid into their face and ended up like kicking them in the head like uh, what what's going on in this in this in this game Paul. It's the magic of the cup. It's why they call it the beautiful game. It's, um, yeah, it's been quite an adventure. And I'll be honest with you, I'm bringing very little to the podcast this week because, I mean, you may as well call me part-time Paul like my manager does because I've just basically been watching World Cup football. I've also been parenting Home Alone for a couple of days, which, by the way, is absolutely terrifying. And so other than our shared watch, I've only got one TV series for the podcast this week. So, um but it's time it comes to me. Yeah, part time Paul's got very little. But I know I can count on you, Dan. What have you been watching? Uh, you can count on me. So this week, what am I doing? I am bringing you a TV show called The English. And this is a TV show on Amazon Prime. It is a mini series of only six episodes. It's a little bit different. So kind of accidentally stumbled across this on Amazon Prime. It's, it's now, I think, at maybe number number one or number two in sort of their, their top ten list here in New Zealand, but stars uh, Emily Blunt. And I was I was intrigued. Like I'm kind of I feel like I've got a bit of a bit of love for the Western genre. Watched the trailer. Seemed quite interesting. This is a, a story of revenge ultimately. And I, I was just sort of fascinated by the cast. And what's interesting about this uh, this little mini series that makes it quite different from I think other things that we that we watch in this sort of genre mm-hmm. is it is so like high resolution and so crisp and it's it's almost weird seeing a seeing a western and like with these vibrant blue skies and these like you know there's lots you can tell like there's there's a strong passion and investment in the the cinematography of this of this whole story and like this is this was a, an interesting watch. So it's six episodes long, already ticking the box for being a, the perfect length. Mm. Um, but in saying that, I, it maybe might have been a little bit too long. Like I wonder whether it actually might have been better as a as a five episode TV show. And it's it's also look. How can I say this, Paul? I'm a bit dumb. Like you know, you know when we watch Dark and it's like oh, no. you know you kind of need a bit a bit of a guide. There is some some complex dialogue in this TV show. Uh, there is some things where sometimes the storytelling is a little bit hard to follow. Right. And 
Like we we sort of found ourselves constantly being like, what's happening here? Who's doing this? Why why is this happening? Um, but in saying that, it is also a TV show that is like it's a it's got some moments of comedy. It's definitely very dark in some of its storytelling. Some of the things that are implied are even darker. And it takes you on this, on this, as I say, a, a bit of a wild journey of revenge. I think it's worth a watch. I don't think it's going to be for everybody, though. Really interesting. I've heard a lot of chatter about this. I saw it cropped up in the in our Discord community as well in terms of you know, being watched. And I was really curious to sort of hear how it might go because this definitely caught my attention. The poster really grabs me. There's something and I can't put my finger on it. It reminds me of another poster. And when I find it, I'll have to show you because it feels like it's just almost identical <laughs> in terms of the style, you know, real. Um, mm. And the cast really appeals. So we've got, you know, it's a mm. drama, it's a Western. Emily Blunt is great. I love um, Stephen Rea. He was great in War and Peace. Uh, Tom Hughes from Cemetery Junction and Victoria. So there's a number of things here. But I was really curious as to um, what the reaction is because it's getting so many positive reviews. And yet I've spoken to two people now. You're obviously the second. And it hasn't gone down as well as they might have expected in terms of it being for everyone. And I'm just, it's almost word for word what I heard. It's not for everyone. And that's the that's always a worry for me because I count myself as an everyman. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... And I wonder why I've been thinking about why is it not for everyone, and I think it is because it's a, it's it's not so much the the story like at at a real base level that the story the story is 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 fairly straightforward, but they they tell it in quite a sort of a convoluted way, made further complicated by some of the the dialogue and and the way some of these scenes play out, but at, at the same time it's I feel a little bit it's a little bit hard to give it this critique because it's equally beautiful beautifully shot it's got an amazing cast there was moments of this tv show which i thoroughly enjoyed i just think it it didn't considering how short it is i i kind of expected it kind of like to keep me hooked hooked the whole way mm. but there was a few kind of ebbs and flows i think in the in the pacing and the way that the story played out which i think let it down and i think in you know like like let's let's take a a classic that we've recently watched like 1883 mm. like easily kind of like a compelling story hooks you in with these these big arcs instantly invested in all of these characters you are invested in these characters but it's not it's not quite as easy to follow and i actually wonder whether like you know some of the, the high quality of the the effects and the and mm. the videography almost kind of like takes you out of the moment every now and again so i'm glad i think that this is a, a mini series i'm glad that like they're not this isn't a season one of, of many more seasons to come because i think they've told the story that they wanted to tell with within this uh section of history um and i i don't think there's really anything left on the table still to talk about but i think if you are a fan of westerns you are a fan of of emily blunt like I think it's worth worth a look, but I don't think like you know we talk about like movies to watch with your parents or yeah. like this this isn't this is this isn't that type of western. This is um, much much darker, much grittier than that. I feel like the modern style, the modern direction, the the HD quality or the UHD quality um, of a story set in eighteen ninety. I can see that being a little bit 
take you out of it. It feels like if you think about uh, something like Concrete Cowboy that we watched with a much more modern day mm. storytelling, but in a modern day setting makes sense. But when you go back to 1890, you want a Deadwood feel, you want a 1883 feel. So, um, yeah, interesting because, yeah. I think one thing this movie did, sorry, this miniseries did make me think about a lot is like 1890 isn't that far ago. Like, you know, like we're, we're only talking just over, That's right. you know, 130 years ago. Yeah. And this is really like, there is like, we're talking about towns that have got like one building set up and then maybe there's a second one being erected. There's, it's, there's no, there's no roads, obviously. Like mm. there's, there's railway, um, sort of starting to be set up across across America, but it really sort of I think it made me think several times during this is how much we sort of progress as a society over this time. Oh, definitely. And just thinking, you know, our movie of the week, you know, is set just just over twenty years after this, and yet even though that obviously was a long time ago, the difference between those two things feels much 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 mm. bigger, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, look, I think. I think this is an admirable, it's something different. And I think you've got to do something different in, in this, you know, market where we've got so many streaming services. There's so many um, different things vying for people's attention. Um, and, and I'm glad to see that this is performing well. I, I think, as I say, I think the acting, the cast, fantastic. Interesting story here. I just, I, I it's not going to be for everyone. It's probably not even going to be one that people enjoy with their partners. Like this might be a, if this is your genre, you you may find yourself watching it alone. Mm. Very, very interesting. Prime video. And that, yeah, Prime video. Check it out. That is me this week, apart from our, our shared watches. How about you, Paul? Yeah, so just the one series for me this week. Um this is a Netflix series um, that came out just quite recently, earlier this year, in fact, called Inside Man. Um, Inside Man is about a, a prisoner on death row in the US and a woman who's trapped in a cellar under an English vicarage um, and how these two seemingly unrelated stories cross paths in, as the synopsis says, the most unexpected way. And so... This one, just sort of the poster appealed to me. I just sort of, that kind of just had a, a real good look. The cast definitely spoke to me. So, you know, David Tennant, Stanley Tucci, um, Dolly Wells, Lydia West. There's a lot of great performances in here. Um, I will talk spoiler light. Um, but as the synopsis sort of says, you know, David Tennant plays a vicar who, through a very sort of unfortunate series of events, suddenly puts himself into this really untenable position as he tries to protect you know people around him that he cares about but in in the process he puts himself on the wrong side of the law and then he also puts someone else's life into a into a horrible position and then uh that's so that's in this small small little vicarage in the uk and then on the other side of the the globe stanley tucci he is the uh he's the prisoner on on death row and things escalate in this show very very quickly and it's not clear for some time how these two stories do link up and bearing in mind um this is a four-part miniseries um there isn't too much time for it to tell that story but by the time you get into it um there's almost like a 
almost like a, a pulp fiction-ish nature of how the unrelated stories can then be very cleverly linked. So there was a lot of appeal in that regard. This uh, looks interesting, Paul. This has been on my uh, title bar of Netflix for a, a few weeks now, and it's it's kind of sparked a bit of interest. Do you think this is up there with those? Is this one of those like classic, like good to watch with the parents, good to watch, you know? Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely one to watch with the parents, um, which is always annoying once you've watched it and then you realise that and you're like, oh, I could have watched this in a in a month's time or something. But it it definitely is. Um, there's you know there's it's high tension um, with an asterisk. So I'll come back to that. Uh, it's 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 complex again with an asterisk. It keeps you guessing throughout all four, four episodes as to how, firstly, these events can possibly be linked how they can possibly be resolved and how and who if anyone is going to walk away from this um, and with what um so th- that's the 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 real sort of thing that sort of drags you sort of brings you in and, and keeps you from well, kept me hooked um not everyone though and that's where my asterisk comes in <laughs> i was just looking at the uh the main cast there and obviously david Tennant. but interesting it's got lydia west from years and years a, a show we reviewed a, a long time ago here on the pod yeah no L- lydia west is 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 really really good and this she's one of the the you know the four leads and she's very good the what the other leads dolly wells you and i recently saw her in the outlaws uh, recently oh, cool. um she was the one who she played christopher walken's daughter and and she is superb in this as janice a uh, really intelligent socially awkward but strong personality and she you know spoilers as as per the the uh the synopsis that you see she's the woman who's trapped in the cellar and you know david Tennant is always a treat to watch but for me the real star of the show is is stanley tucci who plays this the, the criminal on death row and um you know for, for killing his wife and and what's crazy about it is his characters <laughs> sound crazy but he's likable it's just absolutely insane and i saw somewhere online or somewhere someone described him as being like a half hannibal lecter and half sherlock holmes and you know, mm. honestly, that's the perfect description. And and you know, I, I love those two characters. So it's no wonder that I was drawn to Stanley Tucci's character throughout this. But the asterisks that I need to come back to, which I think is, you know, thinking about what you just just said uh, about the English, is something that will divide audiences. And if you even just look at reviews, you'll clearly see which side of the fence people. You know, it's a marmite situation. You you either you either love it or you don't. There's a few times in this, particularly in the very first episode, where you may find yourself really questioning the behaviors and the decisions of some of the characters in this series. And so I went with the attitude of, okay, let's just go with that's what's happened. But I'm certain that this will not be the case for everyone. And I would go so far as to say that for some people it will be too much to handle and by the end of episode one, if you can't accept some of the character choices and you'll know what i mean if you watch it you'll you'll tune out and you'll be on to the next series mm, it's that mm. divisive wow um, i am that actually makes me a little bit more intrigued to be honest yeah it's um uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see where if you do watch it where you where you sit on that because um for people that can't that don't believe that that is what this character might do 
the rest of it's just not going to make sense because you you've fallen out right. of the reality of the story so um yeah mm. i found this as a, a really fascinating watch um i i thought the tension was quite real things things escalate very quickly and i just you know i, cu- I couldn't help thinking that this could easily happen to someone perfectly innocent who suddenly is in a corner with evidence pointing at them and their life and their families is just ruined forever. And, and really, they haven't really done anything themselves. Mm-hmm. It's inter- I feel like I want to kind of almost try to guess the plot now, like <laughs> looking at this poster, looking at what's going on. I'm guessing that David Tennant probably isn't quite the the squeaky clean person that he's, he's meant to be. Um, it's intriguing that Stanley Tucci's in here. It almost kind of feels like, uh, speaking of the outlaws, having um christopher uh walken and you know in that series like it feels like it almost feels a bit out of sync for me because i'm so used to seeing stanley tucci in movies yes yes that's that's very true in fact i'll I'll talk about that later actually but um yeah there's look detective you're not off the money with uh, uh david Tennant perhaps not being as, as squeaky clean as or at least as the law would see him and um yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, look, we're going there. He's ultimately the character whose decisions, motivations, and behaviours mm. will will divide the audience. And I think, looking at some of the ratings and looking at the score that this receives, I'm I'm quite prepared to bet that's that's people coming in giving it high ratings because they bought it and they liked it, and people giving it low ratings saying ridiculous. You lost me after the first episode. Don't waste my time. Which is interesting, right? Because I think David Tennant, I actually think he loves playing the bad guy. Like, there's so mm. many uh, TV shows and movies he's been in where he is the villain. And there's obviously equally a number of shows where he, he's the good guy. But I think he, he loves to play the twisted character, is my, my sense of him. Yeah. And and the other thing I should mention, Stephen Moffat is, you know, he's behind this. And so this is this is the creator of Sherlock, the creator of Dracula, the um, one of the writers for a long period of time in Doctor Who. This is a guy who, I would argue, really knows how to write. And yes, mm. he may be criticized in the Doctor Who community for pe- maybe taking things too far. And maybe we're seeing elements of that here with these story writing decisions. But I'm I'm on board Doctor with Doctor Who drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um so yeah, so that's uh, that's my watch this week. Inside Man, um, available on Netflix. Were you going to make a final comment about Stanley Tucci, or is that coming later in our peak performance? That's exactly where it's coming later on. Spoilers. All right, should we should we jump into our, our joint watch of the week? Yeah, so we are back with a full season review, season eleven of The Walking Dead. The original 2010 series comes to an end after 177 episodes and 11 seasons. This is the 11th and final season of a series that we've been with since the start through the lows, through the highs. And finally, the series, in its current form at least, has come to an end. I have to give the talking stick to you first, Dan, because... I just feel like to do otherwise would be just wouldn't be proper. <clears throat> I've been giving this a lot of thought, Paul, and I think you know I'm. I have long brought the the, the rent of the Walking Dead to this podcast, and I imagine at some point in this conversation, it's, it's going to tip over into that. But in general, 
like if I'm just sort of rolling up this last batch of episodes, I had an I had a not too bad a time. Like there is some components in the story that I like I want to sort of pick apart, but in general, like I didn't find it too bad, and I don't know whether that's because I've literally just kind of given up and I'm now just kind of like look whatever it is it will be and I'm not that invested in it there are some flaws like that that's for sure but in general like in general like I, I thought it was okay and I actually thought in that particularly that very final episode and I'm, I'm, I'm really jumping around a little bit I appreciated and also was frustrated that they were kind of killing off characters willy-nilly because the way they killed off some of those characters or people got bit in or various things happened to them, I wish that they treated walking, The Walking Dead like that for all 11 seasons. And I know that would have probably made it very difficult to, I imagine, hire and retain actors, but I just love that there was finally a real sense of like risk. And I think they had too many characters who were like, oh, I want my I want my, my gory death moment, and, and they got it. But in general, I, I like that the tension was up. Um, I think there are some things which are uh, actually before I go before I go into some more more, you know, because who knows where this is going to go, Paul? I've got so many things to talk about. What, what's your general thoughts on this this final part of the season oh, and finale? Sorry, I'm I'm not ready to talk at the moment. I'm just putting a bet on at the moment. I'm just putting a, some money on England to win the World Cup because I've just heard Dan Whiting King come in with some positivity about the walking dead i'm feeling like my luck is really in at the moment i look i do i do share your overall view i think there's there's two ways i can look at this final season i can compare it to recent seasons that we've had and i'm sort of looking at seasons seven through ten and say hey this is a strong finish they've given us some good story they've given us some good action they've given us some good risks some good tension they've made me care about some characters and so it's a really Strong series compared to the early seasons, and again the opposite, seasons one to six. This show doesn't have anywhere near the tension or those those big OMG moments or those things that would have everyone talking about it the next morning, which was always a great conversation. You know, did you watch The Walking Dead? You know, no one said to me, "Did you watch The Walking Dead last night?" For the better part of seven years, and um, and so yeah, so those two, you know, what am I comparing it to? I think I have to compare it to what it's what it, the arc it's gone on and where it has been recently. And, and in that respect, I'm with you. It was positive. The finale was good. I think we're going to have to talk spoilers and give a bit of a spoiler warning because there are some things that we will need to talk about, which you know we don't want to ruin anything for anyone who hasn't watched it yet who wants to. But um, yeah, I really feel that that risk factor that you talked about. I. I'm the same. I'm like one of the things that made this show what it was for a long period of time was never knowing on any given episode that anyone would be safe and that anyone might not get bitten or have their their head taken out by an axe or whatever. And it was that risk that made this show, just like shows that we've talked about before, like Lost, like Breaking Bad, whatever it is, that risk makes it real. I think the the big challenge in sort of like reflecting on the on the Walking Dead is it feels like it went from one of those like top tier TV shows of like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or Better Call Soul or whatever it is, and it kind of it felt like it went a little bit um, like old school television for me. Like like this mm-hmm. is this is what's on on a Friday night. Like whereas I think when it first started, it felt so much more kind of like high end and kind of like HBO special, and it's it's now kind of 
not uh, not monster of the week, but it's I, I feel like the quality dropped a little bit. But I, I think because I had kind of I think it, I've cashed in all my chips. Like I, I no longer like they, they've beat me down, Paul. Like I'm I'm just like sure with most of this and like and and I I kind of enjoyed just kind of popping my brain in neutral and just and watching this I found it annoying sometimes um with some of the story arcs like particularly like with the commonwealth for example like I, like I don't really care for the commonwealth I'm kind of tired of, of those sorts of arcs I found it annoying that is it Pamela's son um yeah you know, was 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 a douchebag, and I feel like we, we've had those storylines before because we had that similar storyline when Rick and the team went to uh, Alexandria, and the whoever was looking after that town at the time, their son was a bit of a douchebag, and it's like I often just feel like we we repeat some of these arcs, and I and I just never feel invested. Like I didn't feel invested in the the, the, the stormtrooper guards. I didn't feel. I, I sometimes even found myself kind of a little bit tuning out of like why the our core walking dead crew are always kind of fighting against the system you know my views on just all this all this kind of noise around having like media and reporting and it's like i don't know there's there's things in there which kind of i think look it it is what it is but it's i i think they they did a pretty good job ending it i think the final two episodes did a did an okay job They've obviously left various arcs open for those various characters. They're going to have spin-off shows for. Um, a lot of doors are still open, but in general, like this, this isn't the way I would like. If we think you know, going back to sort of season seven, if we we're going to end Walking Dead, like my expectations would have been far higher. But I think considering where we've been for the last four or five seasons, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, look, I think you've summed it up well. I think the. There's so many things I could talk about the Commonwealth, and I think that the the storyline that crossed over with what we've seen in the world beyond and other things really let it down. I think the idea, and I guess this is maybe because I'm glass half full person, and maybe that's naive because in an, an apocalypse, human behavior could be quite unpredictable and would probably turn for the worse. But the idea that our gang that we follow in its various forms for 11, 12 years, whatever. 2010 you know um they're always the good guys they're always the moral high ground they're always the good ones and barring a couple of moments um where you know we saw rick say this isn't a democracy anymore and maybe some some people being taken out where i felt like we were always the good guys and yeah i get that you know but sometimes it just became a little too predictable that this commonwealth that you know, imagine the world is taken over by zombies and there's death everywhere and there's no more civilization and suddenly you walk into this place and there you know people have jobs and they're selling ice cream and there's music playing and there's cinema and all these things it's a dream the idea that going into that world that those people somewhere in amongst all that would be corrupt and bad it was too you know, you, you could smell it from the instant they walked through the front door and I don't know. I just, in the end, I'm tired of that. But that's a big plot point in terms of character development, in, in terms of danger, in terms of emotional moments. I thought the season did deliver well. I think if you've tuned out of The Walking Dead, you could probably easily tune into the last couple of episodes to just see how the whole series wraps up, and you might get a couple of nice little surprises too. 
Yeah, like I, I kind of enjoyed at the start of each episode, we had the, the Judith intro and it kind of gave us a bit of a flashback to some of the the better days. I, I It makes me um, frustrated that like I, I feel like Judith would, would, it was always such a great character that just so underutilised. Um, there's so many characters now in The Walking Dead that I found myself going through this final season and oh yeah that's right oh that's right they still exist oh oh that's right you're you're a character that's still kicking around and then when we're having things like Eugene's court case I just was like ah like on one hand we've got all these kind of like scenes where there's kind of um guerrilla warfare going on and then we've also got like a, a court case that's like I don't know it just it didn't it didn't always gel for me as a story. I did appreciate that they tried to sort of wrap up a number of arcs, including like the the Megan Megan. That's a combination <laughs> of Maggie Maggie and Negan. Megan. Um the, the Maggie Negan story. And even though it was, you know, it was like a bit forced in, I appreciate they've kind of like they've, they've reset the clock a little bit. I appreciated some of the things that, you know, the way that kind of Daryl and Carol kind of like parted ways and it like, I think the overall, it was a fine. <laughs> it's the second time you said it was fine. It's, uh, there's, there's some great cast in this, and Melissa McBride is one of them, but her character of Carol has annoyed me for the, the last four seasons for the most part. And, and I just tire of, you know, I imagine as the actress receiving the scripts. She'd probably never admit it, but surely she must be rolling her eyes sometimes at some of the storyline decisions. This is the problem when a show runs for so long that there's just not the quality of story there. You think about mm. a recent example, Better Call Saul, six seasons, no filler, very, very, very infrequently filler. The Walking Dead, the first six seasons, I would also say very little filler and really strong tension come in, but the last, I don't know we're talking about season 11, but the, like the last five or so seasons, so much filler has really uh, left us watching it with almost one eye. And that's not the way you should be watching a show where the population is overrun by zombies. You think about Black Summer, you, you don't tear away for a second because these things will kill you. And that's how it should be, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, the characters that did get wrapped up, I liked it. I did question a couple of the deaths. I, I'm, I'm a bit sort of hypocritical. I wanted more deaths because I was like, yeah, like, you know, heaps of people surviving it. But the ones they did choose to sort of pat ways with, I was kind of like, ah, oh. you know, they were some of the few badass characters that were left, perhaps. I'll tell you, Paul, if we... You and I are ever, you know, in a zombie apocalypse situation. We're in trouble. And I get like, well, we're already in trouble. We're, we're not going to be making it to season 11. I can tell you that <laughs> much. I'm, I'm definitely not. If I get bitten on the arm or the leg and there's a chance that chopping off that limb, I'm going to end up dying. Just just in me. Don't even bother. Don't put me through the pain. Just, just you, you know what to do. I'm, I'm giving you full permission to just just finish it yeah it's it's we've become almost numb to that like you know the idea of being bitten that's it you're gone and then all of a sudden people were surviving it as long as you cut off the limb quickly enough and by the time it comes around and i think uh is it is it claudia the um who was the um yep uh alpha's daughter like she got her arm chopped off but i felt like lydia lydia sorry she's wandering around like 
it ain't no thing. Like, this is like a common cold. Like, she's doing other activities. She's getting involved in fights. Like, I I would imagine losing an arm. Look, I'm going to need a few days, guys. Yeah, I know. You, at, least a, at least a week. You'd think that you should be able to get signed off for at least a week, right? I am... Um, mm. I, I I struggled to review this season, Dan, in the context of just one season because I look back at some of the cast and we had, of course, wonderful flashback moments throughout and you start seeing characters like Glenn, you see characters like Abraham, like Sasha and, and so many others down the line. And, you know, the point is, you know, Judith is an exceptionally great character uh, and has so much story because of her relationship. Well, is she related to... Rick, who knows? Supposedly related to Rick. Um, but they didn't play on that enough. And I felt like they tried to shoehorn her in at the end a little too obviously to try and, you know, get us get us worried for for Judith given that everyone was at risk. And um yeah, that didn't that didn't quite work for me. But if we were if we if we were to jump ahead, I guess, a little bit to the to the final episode, um there were some things that happened there that were maybe unexpected or maybe they were expected. Maybe everyone predicted, oh, these people are bound to show up. It's the final episode. But it did, I'll be honest with you, it did get me a little hyped thinking about seeing these people again and wondering what might happen to these characters because those are characters I do care about. I think just before we, we jump into those characters, I think before that, that sort of final few minutes of this episode, so I think that they should have taken a real chance and maybe had, had Judith die. Like That would have been sad, yeah. but I feel like that would have been a real like sure. emotional moment because you know we, we've been with that character through different actresses for, for such a long time. I realised during this final episode how much I really enjoyed Rosita as a character. And yeah. I generally laughed out loud in that moment when she gets surrounded by by walkers and then gets to almost kind of superhero, like punt them all away. And the fact that obviously she meets her demise as well was, like it was kind of quite a nice ending for a main character. You know, she's done 129 episodes. Like she's been around for a, a long time. That, that's more episodes than... The Mr. Rick Grimes. Um, but the one other thing I just wanted to talk about before the before the end is I did kind of mostly appreciate the evolution of the walkers. Right. Both yes. with walkers that were like, you know, they were reference oh, there's there's whisperers in my and I love that the idea that they they were bringing back whisperers from another season and that, that it doesn't just end when they're gonna take out one group and it turned out they're not whisperers, but these walkers are actually climbing and moving. And then in that final final episode, I love when the, the walkers actually picked up the rocks and they were smashing the window like they were in the very first ever episode of The Walking Dead, which always kind of you know, was questionable what's going on, but I, I do appreciate that they kind of made that tie back. Oh, look, see, I, I just, I agree and I disagree. I think you, I love that that they're doing that, but it's too little, too late. Again, I needed this around season eight, season nine. I wanted the story arc of the walkers to develop because, you know, you climb up on top of a of an RV and you know you're going to be safe because they're not they're not going to get up there, and now all of a sudden they are, and. And I think that story development, you know, the whisperers and all the rest of it, I think those are really good ideas that um, that take the story forward. And because we, I don't know, just as much as you said, oh, we would never survive 11 seasons of, of The Walking Dead. I feel like 
if I knew what the walkers were capable of, I would find a way about thinking them out, foxing them. I'm pretty quick on my feet when I need to be, and I feel like I'd be all right. But these new adaptive ones, that's that's where the danger comes back in. And yeah, I guess I know what you're saying, but for me, Dan, that, that was too little, too late. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about two things, Paul. I want to talk about um, the final kind of moments in the last episode. So this is really big spoilers, but I think if you have not if you have the internet, it's probably already been spoiled for you. And then I also want to talk about where some of these spin-offs are going. So I think, so the final warning for anyone who doesn't want to know, check out the time codes below. So in the final few minutes, we get um, Michonne and Rick. And I thought what was interesting here this should have been a moment, like if this had happened, you know, back in Walking Dead, Walking Dead's peak, I would have been screaming and jumping up and down and so excited and having those water cooler conversations about where to, where to next, where are we going to see them again, like what's it, what's it all mean? And I honestly, I almost couldn't have cared less. It almost had no emotional impact on me. And I feel like I, I love Rick. I, I love Michonne. I, I'm kind of intrigued by them, but I I just kind of felt like like that was too little too late for me. I right. feel like that ship that ship has sailed. You have missed the opportunity to sort of like tell these great stories. And it's a shame that you've kind of like we've got to this point and you've kind of lost, like in my view, the goodwill that that a lot of people head towards these characters. I disagree again. I I think the reason I feel differently is because that did bring back the hype of those characters. We we knew we knew Rick was alive. We've heard all about the 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 movie trilogy or whatever it was originally. And the reason I feel differently is because, and it wasn't too little today for me. It was because it reminded me this is what we have coming next, and sort of it, it wet the appetite for that. It was the 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 end of the force awakens and seeing luke like having not seen him for a whole movie it was like i know that he's coming up next so it got me thinking okay this is what's coming next and you know it's like i cannot go another season with this group of people even though there are some characters in amongst it but i can certainly get reinvested in characters like rick and michonne and i guess that got me it left me on a high like if it had ended without that i don't know what i'd be saying to you I don't know. I, I think for me, I, like I kind of get the sense that, like, how invested are um, uh, Rick and Michonne, and and in, like, are, are they just going to do a, a six episode kind of spin off at some point to kind of put a bow on this and, and say they're done? Uh, have they got kind of their own show? I don't know. like. They're really going to have to do something to kind of bring me back into the fold here. And because the other thing I I kind of found with this with the end of this is they're kind of relying heavily on people watching the world beyond knowing yes, you know quite yes. a lot about the, the commonwealth i think that the rick scene to me uh, was a different timeline or a different time period to when michonne was going after rick like i kind of got the sense that these were very different places in the journey um where has michonne got her armor from why is she riding into like a, a horde of walkers um, why is Daryl getting to use the word the walking dead? Like, like oh, there's so many way. questions. It's, it was like in like in Star Trek First Contact, one of the characters makes reference and says, Oh, you people are all on some kind of Star Trek. It was like, don't say that. It was like hearing Daryl use the word the walking dead in the last episode was was way too much. Um it was just 
that was a little bit too too forced and unnatural and um also what's up with the language in the show it's like we don't care anymore we're f-bombing all over the place we haven't for 10 seasons but hey it's season 11 we'll say what we want it's like it's inconsistent with the other you know suddenly these people are really pissed off (laughs) what's the deal Mm-hmm. It's interesting, eh? So we've also got some 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 mixed views on the on the Rick and Michonne component. But what are you thinking in terms of the spin-offs? Like, I thought it was interesting how Judith was like, "Daryl, you deserve a happy ending as well." And then, like, obviously, like it kind of felt like the Carol arc was maybe left wide open. I, I I'll tell you, Paul, I'm I'm already angry about <laughs> how you're pre angry. I'm pre angry about Daryl's spinoff show. Yeah. If there is not a clear pathway about how he is getting to France, like if he just wakes up in France, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm flipping over things. I'm intrigued about how Maggie and Negan um, go off on another arc, particularly with like like Maggie's got her kid as well. It just kind of feels like it feels messy, and I feel like though they've kind of like tied things up. They've also left it so they could cameo in any of these kind of main characters at any point. Not to mention we've got all the Fear the Walking Dead stuff happening. It still feels like a bit of a cat's buffet of things going on. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, maybe it's just time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. I um, I think I think the Rick Michonne series is the is the the pinnacle, and I think that's that's got to be a full season, a full mini series. Um, the Daryl show, the Daryl Carroll show. I've forgotten. There's been so many changes in the news. I can't even remember what is Carol, the Carol's out. It's, it's, it's only Daryl oh, now. It's the Daryl show. I, I don't know. We've said, you said particularly in the past, he's the wingman. He's not the lead. And so that's dangerous, right? I think, I think he is the lead to a lot of people though. And I think, you know, like I feel like, like me in particular, give Daryl a hard time, but he actually, you know, does do like he's a real big advocate of The Walking Dead. He's always talking positively about it. He is trying to sort of carry the show forward. But yeah, I'm still in that camp that he works best as the as the tough guy with somebody else. Um, and I am intrigued to see what this is going to look like. In another country. Yeah, well, that, that see, that in itself is interesting. We experienced that with the world beyond a little bit. There was just things that made it a bit more interesting. Um, two things. One, I wonder, because obviously the fear, fear of the Walking Dead is still running, and I wonder if there'll be any further crossover there at all, which will bring us some events, you know, that are linked to these spinoffs. What, what about the... Is there still a Negan Maggie? Is that still because I I just got a quick idea. Yeah. I can see the I, I think the that, one, but I can't the see New the York other one. one or something. Yeah, yeah. Why, why I think that it? it's something about New York. Um, but that that's still very much in the. Week. I think there's a few posters and stuff that are starting to come out around that. So I oh, yeah. the Daryl that's one's already started filming. Yeah, and the. And I think the Maggie Negan one is, is already underway. Yeah, and I, I think the, Isle the, the of the Rick, Dead, that's called. Isle of the yeah. Dead. Yeah. And the Rick and Michonne is still TBC. I I don't think we have got definites on that one yet. I, again, like a hypocrite, because people say, oh, too many Star Wars series, you'll oversaturate it. And I'm like, no, you won't. But I just feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel that way for me with Star Wars. With, with this one, 
I'm thinking, yeah, we've got Dead City, Isle of the Dead, the World Beyond, Fear the Walking Dead. We've got The Tales of the Walking Dead, which is now out for us to to go and watch at some point then on AMC+. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think often we talk about the, you know, the story not being there, the quality of the writing not being there. There needs to be story for us to dive into. There needs to be new stories. There needs to be new directions. And I just, I don't know. I with this, with with a lot of the production and writing staff still involved, I have my doubts that we'll ever get back to what it was. I, I think this is the thing, right? Like they may pull a complete Kaiser Suze on all of us, and when they drop all of these different storylines, actually it'll come together like a masterpiece. But right. I like look much like when you predicted, like you know, we had that conversation around will Luke be in um, the Mandalorian? Like I just. I just cannot see this this masterpiece being pulled off. Like I was saying on this podcast, if we are sitting here and all of a sudden it all makes perfect sense and what a work of genius it is how they've stitched these together. Put that in your diary. I've made a mental note of that, let me tell you. I will come back to that should that happen. That'll be a wonderful moment for, for so many people for so many reasons. Um, but for now... 177 episodes, The Walking Dead is is done. It is complete. The idea of doing a rewatch of this series, and this is where I come back to my comparison I made at the start about the beginning and the end. I remember watching, rewatching all six seasons in anticipation of season seven, the excitement of not being able to wait and going back and watching six seasons. If I was to say to you, how about we do a joint rewatch and we'll start at season seven and go forward? I, I, think you just hang up on me on the spot and that's that is why even though this season was better than most lately this series has gone out on a bad note for me and it's really it's a real shame and i I think it's just too much like yeah i can't think like you know which which is probably a little bit rich to say when we can watch like 11 seasons of curb your enthusiasm for example but 177 episodes like that's a real journey like it's going to it, it's going to take me some time before I could even consider mm. consider doing that watch. But I think the thing is, though, I could see myself doing it because I will. I would start, I would get excited, and the same thing would happen that you just described. I would maybe get to about season seven, and then I'd be like, "I'm done." We'll get to the garbage people, and that's when that's when you'll tap out. Yeah, I um, I think that, yeah, just so many different stories, so many different baddies, so many different bad guys, so many different you know similar but different scenarios but all the way through that's carried us a you know a strong core group that did diminish as it went on but there were still right through to the end some people that were there from season one of course and you know those that that, that those relationships and those characters at the core i feel like if i was to go back and redo this i would just i would not even half i would three quarter the number of core characters and just keep it at a real tight knit group and it would make it for me a lot easier to follow and get invested in but hey it is what it is mm, mm. it's it's a shame isn't it because when I, i'm looking at the imdb page right here and and like there is some great characters like you know yeah. carl was awesome negan's had some awesome moments as i say like rosita's actually way cooler than i have ever given her credit for um yeah, look, I'm I'm kind of all, like I, I'm kind of glad it's over, 
but I feel like it's also not over because of, of shows like Fear and because of some of those crossovers. And, like, not even counting the new content, I still feel like it's, like, the work's done, but there's some extra modules that need to be completed. And it's going to bring back some of these feelings. I, I, I can sense it. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not out of it yet. I'm, I am relatively excited about the return of Fear. That is a show that I've become more invested in. I'm really excited about the Rick Michonne spinoff. So in that regard, the future's bright for me for The Walking Dead. And I'm going to just cling on to those memories of, of, of what I really enjoyed about this series, those first six seasons, because that was absolutely genuinely top 10 TV of all time those first six seasons mm, mm. yeah look and as I say I I actually had an okay time watching this I think the one saving grace would be if you ever went back for a, re- a rewatch would be watching it in sort of bulk lot because yeah. you know with some of the stuff we were doing episode by episode oh. reviews and that was that was tough yeah that was as well yeah we've, we've very quietly not done that again <laughs> Indeed, indeed. That is probably uh, about as much Walking Dead pause we can probably talk about. We're, we're probably losing listeners by the hundreds as we speak. Let's let's jump forward then to our movie of the week, shall we? Yeah, let's let's do that. So each week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing uh, different movies of the week to review here on the podcast. If you'd like to find out what that movie is, then you should come and join our Discord channel, and you can find the details for that in the show notes below. This week, Paul, what are we reviewing? This week, we are reviewing the 22 movie Investor Nicht's Noise, which in English translates to All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, a World War I movie about a young German soldier's uh, terrifying experiences and the, and the distress of the, the Western Front during World War I. And it's based, this is based on the famous 1930 novel of the same name uh, uh, and also um, a movie that came out in 1930 uh, as well um, from author Eric Maria Remarque uh, based on his own experiences as a soldier in World War One. Dan? This is, you know, this this has been out on Netflix for a few weeks now and it's it's constantly popping up. I didn't realize fully, I don't think, that this was a a, a German movie. Um, obviously, it, it's about Germany and World War One, but this was this was incredible. This this was a a super well produced, incredible effects, incredible story, super stressful, almost kind of the uncut gems of uh, World War One storytelling. And I think that we're so used to seeing World War Two that World War One sometimes feels a little bit um, more forgotten about. Like, well, obviously, we've, we've had um, 1917 recently, which, you know, gave us a, a, another really good um, take on this. But for me, I think, see, again, like seeing this from, uh, from the uh, – um, Germany's kind of take on it, and kind of pulling no punches about how, like how horrible and how distressing, and the 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 stuff that that war does to people. This was both insightful and, and really sad. And I think you know you've got these young guys um, who are all kind of cheering each other on to let's go to the front line, let's let's join the army, let's sign up, let's do our piece for the motherland, and you know kind of one or two of them faking their way into the army to sort of of, of how old they are but they really like it, it, it was hard that, that that trench warfare 
tough times. Yeah, I I agree across the board what you said, Dan. I, I found this equally an absolutely fascinating watch, and and I think seeing it through the eyes of the German troops in particular was a really powerful storytelling mm. piece. You know, not perhaps what we might often get, and it kind of reminded me of some of the things I enjoyed, for example, with uh, letters from Iwo Jima seeing world war ii from the perspective of the japanese troops and i you know i often jump at the chance to watch a world war world war one movie because uh, it's an embarrassing truth I, I don't think i know enough about that first world war and, and i know watching movies perhaps isn't the, the the most informed way to do it but here i am and each time i watch one i learn a bit more and like you know you mentioned 1917 that gave me you know, more insights. But I have to admit that even after watching this movie, I still can never clearly explain how and why this this war actually started. Um but but this movie just gives so much and mm. um and and everything you you sort of said about the the you know the the naivety of these young men going into war, taken in by the propaganda, you know, they're very, very um impressionable. And, and they're visually mm. brainwashed to be excited to go to war. And then that harsh reality of what they found on the front line is what makes this movie what it is. It is brutal. It is so, so well done in that respect that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a depressing, saddening watch. Yeah, I actually found myself. Uh, I think two things. I, I equally was like, "How did World War One start? How? What? Wait, yeah. wait. Why don't I know this?" And I, I feel like I was in the same boat. And I found myself like reading Wikipedia pages that kind of like, "What led to this? Why is it happening?" The central powers. How come it's? Yeah, the central powers. Like how? And then how quickly? You know, Seventeen million people died in oh, World War One. We're so quick to then have World War Two. Like, and again, like you know, we talk about. Um, 1890 not being very far like like the World War One and Two wasn't very far away. Not to mention all the other wars yeah. that have happened plus still going on. But uh, yeah, I think this was a a really great movie. Like I, uh, I imagine this is the same way you watch it. I watched it um, in German, like the original release with subtitles, and because like I did try it for about five minutes um, with the with the dub, and it, it just wasn't for me. I think it took away all the authenticity of, of what this was about. And so because I look in our house ball, we're, we're full subtitles all the time. It's a way of life now. It, it it felt really sort of natural and easy, but I kind of found with this movie, I, I didn't watch it all in one go. Like I, I actually had to stop because I had to go and do something, but I actually kind of was almost like I needed the break to kind of like reflect a bit on the movie mm. and then come back into it. And it is a movie that doesn't really let up right to the very end it and that's why i say it's kind of the the uncut gems yeah of war movies because like a bit like like i feel like we don't know a lot about world war one we often don't see these movies um from a, a, another perspective or you know particularly german side and it just doesn't let up the whole way and it just sort of like when you think about our, our grandparents and our great grandparents like some of the stuff they would have had to, to go through just to kind of just living in these conditions, let alone fighting in these conditions, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, oh, look, it really is. And I think the idea of stopping halfway through for this movie would be advantageous. I um, I 
when I've been talking with my small council, the idea of the old-fashioned intermission, you know, for some movies, mm. um, I think is uh, something which could easily come back when you look at the length of some movies these days as well. This movie, in that regard, if I was to come through with one criticism, I do believe it maybe was a tad too long. And um, and I just, I, I guess I, I label that criticism loosely because I I can't find the moments to cut if I was to, if I was the editor of this movie, I, I I don't know what I would cut, but maybe there's just a, f- a few things that it just felt a tad long. But that's a, a minor criticism. The cast were all really really superb, um, and I knew none of them, with the exception of of um, of Daniel Brühl, who of course you know we we know from Inglorious Bastards, uh, Zookeeper's Wife, and and so on. I um, you know, there's just so many moments in this movie this movie exposes uh cowardice and fear and sadistic rage and all kinds of emotions and you know none of us who haven't been in the position of these soldiers can ever truly know how we might react in these circumstances and seeing all the different way that people people can go was something the movie did really really well in a harrowing um just a a, a never-ending relentless way and you know the the deaths that you you talked about, Dan, they 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 added some text at the end to sort of say how they they realistically either side of that that front only ever gained a few hundred meters throughout the entirety of the war, so they were just battling for an inconsequential amount of land, and it's just um, it's just a really sad story that reminds just how bad this war was and what an unnecessary waste of life it was on such a mm-hmm. scale. And like I think there's just so many moments from from the very start of this film when, uh, when the young boys are getting their their uniforms oh. and they get their uniform with you know somebody else's name in it because it's somebody who's already died. Yeah. And just sort of the and you know we've seen this this type of thing in, in, in other war films where you don't get a rifle you wait for the person in front of you to die and then you pick up their rifle, um, but it's it's like again it just sort of I think almost like the juxtaposition of like. The, the the hope and the the pride that these like young people have well I'm go, I'm gonna go defend my country I'm gonna go you know and it's like and it's like just the 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 distrust and the the things that happen along the way is it, it's so sad oh it, it really is that scene you mentioned with the guy getting his uniform and and then trying to take it back because he sees someone else's name tag in it and he's like oh this isn't for me yeah you know, again the naivety of that and the guy who's mm. giving it to him just being like, oh, it was probably too small for him and just ripping the label out. And when you see the label fall on the floor, there's hundreds of other labels. From, it's, yeah. Um, yep. it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really strong in that respect. It's, you know, it's a really sad story, obviously, but it's beautifully directed. And um, mm. as you said, some of the, the, the effects, like we're not talking like, you know, science fiction, Marvel movie type effects, but just like some of the, seemingly practical effects were really really effective i would go so far as to say from that perspective i would put it up there with like dan kirk or, or saving private ryan in terms of that level of direction i thought um i thought that edward berger who, who you know who wrote the screenplay as well i thought he did a terrific job there i think too it feels like one of those films where you really feel like gritty and dirty right like and when they're they're and that sort of like deep in that trench warfare and there's various sort of um, grabs to make 
make progress or, or, or gain some traction. And then, you know, like they're cut, like they're caked in mud and blood mm-hmm. and like then they're wet and then like the mud dries. Like you really got the sense that I imagine even as a, as an actor in this, in this film that you probably had to like really go through some pretty harsh conditions, which w- was nothing compared to what, you know, these actual soldiers went through. But like, I imagine it would have been grueling to film this as well. Oh, fully. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it would be, um, the opposite of whatever you, whatever you'd have a, as a camaraderie, as a, as a comedy movie, you'd have an, an equal sort of level of deep appreciation of what happened at this time, um, shared amongst the, the cast and crew. It must've been quite, um, somber and uh quite uh what's the word just really uh leave you in a philosophical state, state of mind i imagine for a lot of these scenes because a lot of these scenes mm-hmm. are quite mm. are quite quiet are quite slow are quite um yeah horrible so I think that probably the one thing that almost kind of surprised me with this ball is that this is a movie on Netflix like it almost feels mm off-brand a little bit for Netflix in a weird way to me. Um, I, I don't know why I said it. it. Just It feels like it feels almost a little bit more, um, not like art houses may be too strong, but yeah, it, an interesting one to have, a, have with the Netflix brand on it. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing because I think that's a platform that I I bring to the podcast less and less, I feel, and I need it to mix things up and be a little bit different. So, so yeah. Big question, I, um, what, what's it get on the review scale? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with three guns, three out of the four possible. I think um, this delivers everything I would expect of a, of a war movie and more. Uh, it's one of the best first world war movies i've ever seen it was a little long for me but beyond that uh if you're in the right frame of mind i definitely recommend this what about you i'm gonna go all the guns for me this is um and i think it's probably because like yes noting it was long but i think because i kind of accidentally had a split viewing it felt um right it felt okay yeah um but i i think you know when in the future when i'm thinking about great war movies like this is up there for me with Saving Private Ryan, with 1917, with mm. Dun Dunkirk. I had all all quite on the Western Front to the list. And I yeah. want Pearl Harbor. I like I like that. It's actually got me um uh, quite tempted to to watch because there's there's the the original, the 1930, and then there's the 1979 remake. I'd be quite interested to have a look at those those versions of this as well. But um, but yeah, there we go. That is a, a good watch. If you are interested in All Quiet on the Western Front, then you can check that out on Netflix. Where do we sit on your um, pick of the week this week, Dan? Because we've got three things each. What's your pick? I think I'm going to go for All Quiet on the Western Front. Just, uh, I think this was far better than I could have possibly imagined. I I, I gave it all the guns. Um, it was educational, disturbing and a, a kind of surprise and delight at the same time as a as a World War One movie. So yeah, all quiet on the Western Front. How about you? Yeah, I have to agree uh, for all the reasons you know we just talked about. Um, yeah, it might appear at first glance to not overly appeal, 
And if you, as I say, if you're in the right frame of mind, it can really hit home and it can really stick with this movie. And and I think I also give it a bit because I really like it when I find a foreign, uh, a foreign language movie that can can do that. You know, like some of the you know like the TV shows like Dark or or, or Narcos or mm-hmm. Money Heist. Um, every now and then you come across those that are really strong, and this this is up there. So yeah, I agree. Very good. Shall I whip us on over to the news desk? Let's go. All right. So it's actually, it's a little bit quiet on the news desk at the moment. Someone would think we may be coming up to the holiday season, but there's not the usual robustness of news. So a few things that I've come, that have come across my desk is based on the recent success of the Creed movies, which are kind of the, the Rocky spinoff movies. <clears throat> they're looking to do, uh, a reboot of the 1969 classic Easy Rider, which I think is, I'm here for it. I think that would be a, a great movie to sort of see what they do with a, a modern day twist. Um, it, it, it feels right. It feels ready. I'm I'm intrigued. I will be watching with bated breath to see what they do in that space. Peter Fonda and Jack Nicholson in that movie are going to be hard to recast. So that is, that's going to be an exciting one to keep an eye on. Mm. Uh, this is an interesting bit of news. So Kevin Spacey has just landed his first film role um, after his recent uh, sexual battery lawsuit win. So, and he's still facing more charges, but has been yeah cast in this new movie called Control, which was apparently written with him in mind. So it will be very interesting to see how that movie does and how it's received by audiences. And I I imagine there's going to be various amounts of backlash to this one, but it will be interesting to see. I had speaking not of, heard about that. Mm, speaking of uh, drama in the the Hollywood space, so Will Smith has recently he's got a new movie coming out um, called Emancipation, which is I think it's coming actually onto Apple TV um, very soon in the next couple of weeks. He has come out and sort of said he hopes that the he's not penalised on an Oscar front for what happened, you know, with the, with the slap earlier in the year. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think you should have just stayed away from this one. You should have just let everything run at course. I, I think you sort of saying, please, please judge this on its own merits, raises, raises your head above the parapet. Yeah, let it air and stay incognito. Mm, mm. and then final two little bits of news and pretty pretty small so apparently Harrison Ford didn't think Indiana Jones 5 was necessary but he's very happy with how it turned out and I think that is the most Harrison Ford bit of news I can possibly imagine <laughs> I feel like he is both grumbling about it and he'll be he's happy with the result also in the same vein we now have a, a full trailer for uh, 1923 another one of the the Yellowstone prequels and this is we, we talked about sort of the teaser a couple of weeks ago this is now the full blind trailer this this is going to be good I've got I've got a good feeling about it it's again another interesting time period set right after World War One um looking forward to it did you just make a Harrison Ford joke about a Harrison Ford show very well done I've got a good feeling about this I am um, I'm very excited about it as well. Him opposite Helen Mirren in a in a in a franchise that we both have enjoyed two shows of so far is nothing but exciting. It's great. And that is me, Paul. Is there anything on your end from the news desk? Uh, just one thing from me: the the 
the news, and I'm calling it news because it's in the Radio Times, which you know is kind of an institution in the United Kingdom, that a Doctor Who uh, spin-off is in the works, uh, one or two uh, at least, uh, involving the Daleks and Spider-Man. That's uh, Spider- Cybermen, <laughs> Spider-Man. And so I am... Um, I'm here for it. Well, it could have been Planet of the Spiders. That was a, an episode of Doctor Who. Um, I, I'm very intrigued by that because Doctor Who is a show that you follow the adventure of the Doctor and whomever their companion is. And so very, very interesting uh, to see where this goes. But um, yeah, that's the, the only other piece of news I was going to chuck into the mix the the mailbag was um actually a little little busy this week which is great we had quite a few people get in touch uh regarding our review of andor uh, we had john champion from roddenberry podcast uh said he also loves the show um and he thinks somehow they've made the strange equation of an unstore star wars like show work perfectly um which i think is is very true uh paddy from Time Traveling Tink podcast. Uh, he thinks Andor is his favorite Star Wars TV series of all of them so far. Really adds to the drama and the impact of A New Hope by fleshing out the Empire, just like Rogue One did. Um, Tony from Dagnum, he took your advice and did a Rogue One chaser um, and then went straight into A New Hope. Um, and he also commented on my reaction to how I said this was you know, the most un-Star Wars, Star Wars I've ever seen by offering up the the grogu animated short uh which was called zen grogu and dust bunnies um which is available on disney plus and i checked it out it's like five minutes long and i tell you what tony is right whoever made this was high on something i swear it's mental um grogu uh, and the dust bunnies um and then finally on andor thomas from the history of aotearoa podcast who, who actually got in touch when we did our review of the first three episodes as well and said that he was concerned it was a bit too slow. Uh, on For the final review, he he thought that the prison episodes really elevated it and has him absolutely hooked. So um, a lot of interest on Andor. Last week, though, Dan, we talked about The Bear, the remarkable TV series set in the kitchen in Chicago. We had seven people from the show uh, get in touch with us or, or add us to their Instagram story or retweet us. We had the series writer, Joanna Callow. We had the producer, Nate Madison. And Dan, we also had four of the chefs themselves. Uh, we had um, Richard um, Esteras, who plays Chef Manny, Edwin Lee Gibson, who plays Chef Ibrahim, uh, Corey Hendricks, who plays Chef Gary, a.k.a. Sweeps. And we had Lisa uh, Kololanazes, uh, who plays Chef Tina. Uh, who had quite a story act. Um, we even had the official Instagram of the chef wannabe Maddie Matheson like our post as well. So um, a lot of interest from the Bear crew and cast, which was awesome. I love it. Finally, last week's peak performance, Sky Ritchie. Um, and obviously Guy Ritchie has a lot of great movies and talking of East End gangsters, Mark from Dagenham, who is, yes, brother of Tony from Dagenham. So we've got you know the whole the whole crew in my mind they're like the tom hardy brothers and legend he got in touch to say uh, it was hard to choose but if he was pushed he would say gentlemen um also side note mark's favorite show of the year is season two of capture top choice uh ryan from oakland california went with lock stock and two smoking barrels uh peter from wellington snatch 
Uh, and Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast once again, three, two, one, gentlemen, Sherlock Holmes, and also went with Snatch. And that's the mailbag this week, Dan. <coughs> Good shouts. I enjoy that. Shall we uh, whoop on into the peak performance? Indeed. So much like our movie of the week, Dan and I take it in turns each week to look at someone in the movie TV industry and look back and pick out what we think is their best work to date. And last week we had um, Jacinta, one of our regular listeners from The Hut, put forward the suggestion to us of Stanley Tucci for peak performance, Dan. This is a, a, a good shout. And, uh, you know, Great Eve also watched a TV show with him in it recently, which I think also helps in the, the peak performance game. But for my picks this week, Paul, for my honourable mention, I'm going to go with Stanley Tucci's role in The Lovely Bones, the 2009 Peter Jackson movie, where, spoiler alert, uh, Stanley Tucci actually plays, plays, the, plays the villain in the show. And I think this is just... I think Stanley Tucci has got like an amazing range of, of characters and people that he can portray. Mm. And I think Lovely Bones is, is, a, is a great example for me of, of, of the darker side of a, of a character. When I then, particularly when I compare it to my peak performance, and I'm actually going to give it to um, Stanley for his role as Caesar Flickerman in uh, The Hunger Games. And I just think his role as the, the kind of the flashy master of ceremonies uh, it's just fantastic and again it kind of you know he's only got a relatively like small part throughout all of these movies but he always brings like an element of flair um he's a he's a character that you can kind of love to hate and for me peak performance this is then uh i my honorable mention um and i'm actually going to go with 2022's inside man and i swear to you this is not recency. This is this is genuinely one of his best roles. And, and the point I made when I talked about Inside Man earlier, and I said I'll touch on it later when you sort of talked about him being more movies rather than TV. This is a really this is a really meaty role for him to go with in Inside Man. Um, it's um, it's for, for Stanley Tucci to tackle such a, a clever, intelligent character who, like I said earlier, is almost conceivably, inconceivably, is very likable for a person who's been put away for murder and obviously has a very, very dark side to him. And because you get four episodes of him in a miniseries, there's, there's so much more Stanley Tucci than you than you can ever get from a movie. And so you, you get a really deep performance and a really, you know, a story arc, a character arc, and, and it's just such a great acting from him. So that's my... My honourable mention, um, which um, pumps back back up my rating, I think, for um, Inside Man. But the the peak performance for me, I'm with you, Dan. I absolutely love him as Caesar Flickerman in The Hunger Games, and yeah, I've just Google imaged Caesar Flickerman just to sort of refresh, and just even just looking at the pictures is just making me laugh. Every every scene he's in just brings a smile to my face, and. And I guess if I had to choose one, I'd probably go with the first movie uh, as that when he's probably in peak mode, you know, before the district mm-hmm. stat, any of the fighting back. And it's such an extravagant, flamboyant role. It's a character that he really gets the chance to let loose on and just make it his own. And, you know, <laughs> on that note, anyone who wants to hear my impression of Stanley Tucci in The Hunger Games, 
uh, if you go back to episode 74 and tune into the first 30 seconds of podcast 74 for uh, the honor of the 74th Hunger Games, I do my best impression and not for the first time make a fool of myself on this podcast. But it's, it is for me, it's, it's that iconic that whenever I hear the number 74, I, I think of Stanley Tucci's character introducing the 74th Hunger Games. It's, it's a great, it's a great character and it's my peak performance. Very good chat. We're not always in sync on this podcast, but every now and again we are. Correct. Well, that probably brings us to the end of a, another episode of the, I was going to say The Walking Dead, of the Half Measures podcast. <laughs> Unlike The Walking Dead, we will be back and we will probably go past 177 episodes at some point. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and do get in touch. Let us know your peak performance for Stanley Tucci, any movies or TV shows, your thoughts on the Walking Dead. Uh, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you at halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.